0: Hey, welcome to episode number 123 of More Than Bread. My name is Dan, and it is my privilege to set the table for these little mini meals of God's Word. I am a longtime explorer of Scripture. I remember all the way back to my preteen days, I was part of a group called the Rural Bible Crusade. And what do we do? We memorize the Word. And when you memorize 300 verses, you got a free week at camp. And at camp, we had Bible memory contests, kind of a Bible geeky thing, but I, I, I'm not sure how many things shape me more than that. So this podcast flows from a conviction that we need more than bread for the life of our soul. We need to listen to and learn from and lean into the Word of God, apply it, do it. The people of God need the Spirit of God to breathe life into our souls through the Word of God. And in fact, it... It wouldn't hurt any of us to commit some of these words to heart, to know them by heart in our hearts. So in this episode of the Top 40 Psalms, we're going to dive into Psalm 38. And And I'll be honest, I'm not exactly sure why I chose it to be in my top 40. It's a hard psalm. It's a hard psalm that dives into the depths of human suffering and guilt and just kind of a desperate cry for God's mercy. Psalm 38 will give us a vivid portrayal of physical and emotional anguish. Unlike many other psalms that focus on external enemies and circumstances, Psalm 38 is internally preoccupied. The burden of guilt is weighing heavy on the psalmist, so stinking heavy. Psalm 38 does not shy away from the consequences of sin. And yet even in the mess of sin, there is this hope that God is close, not distant. God is merciful, not angry. There's a hope that God is ready to pour out mercy and healing. You can trust him. And with those thoughts in mind, listen to Psalm 38 from the New Living Translation. The psalmist writes, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long I walk around filled with grief. A raging fever burns within me and my health is broken. I'm I'm exhausted and completely crushed. My groans come from an anguished heart. You know what I long for, Lord. You hear my every sigh. My heart beats wildly, my strength fails, and I'm going blind. My loved ones and friends stay away, fearing my disease. Even my own family stands at a distance. And meanwhile, my enemies lay traps to kill me. Those who wish me harm make plans to ruin me. All day long they plan their treachery, but I'm deaf to all their threats. I'm silent before them as one who cannot speak. I choose to hear nothing, and I make... No reply, for I am waiting for you, O Lord. You must answer for me, O Lord my God. I pray don't let my enemies gloat over me or rejoice at my downfall, for I am on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain. But I confess my sins. I'm deeply sorry for what I've done. I have many aggressive enemies. They hate me. Without reason, they repay me evil for good and oppose me for pursuing good. Do not abandon me, O Lord. Do not stand at a distance. My God, come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. I want to talk about, well, (laughs) I don't really want to talk about it, but I feel like we have to talk about sin as we dive into Psalm 38, the burden of sin, the consequences of sin, what it is and what we should do about it. This theme is woven throughout Psalm 38. Verse 3, my health is broken because of my sins. Verse 4, my guilt overwhelms me. It's a burden too heavy to bear. Verse 5, my wounds fester and stink because of foolish sins. Verses 17 and 18, I'm I'm on the verge of collapse, facing constant pain, but I confess my sins. I'm, I'm deeply sorry for what I've done. There are multiple words in the Old Testament which describes sin. For example, in verse three, the Hebrew word is kata. It, it means to miss the mark. It's like a uh, it's also used to describe a, a marksman and shooting an arrow, but they missed the mark. They, they tried, but they they didn't hit the target. And verse five, it's evelith, It it means foolishness. In verses seventeen through eighteen, it means it's, it's ovani. It means iniquity. So, so let's just let's talk a little bit about sin and the glory of God. We really can't talk about one without the other. If we don't understand the glory of God, the holiness of God, the majesty of God, if we don't understand the worth of God and the right of God to be God, then I I think we we end up thinking less of our sin than we ought. Maybe you're saying, "Well, Dan, what's what's the big deal? You keep talking about repentance and sin. And sure, I know I've I've messed up once or twice, but but really, what's the big deal? I mean, think of how we use the word sin or sinful. Like sometimes we put sinful and delicious together and describe our favorite dessert sinfully delicious. When we put those words together, we are thinking less of our sin than we ought. When when we have a dessert view of sin. <laughs> We start thinking about sin as the good stuff that God doesn't want us to do or have. Like God is holding out on us, and sin is is often combined with a deep suspicion of God. He like He just doesn't want me to have fun. Remember, uh, an episode or two ago, I said we our problem is we just don't trust His delight. But in reality, sin separates us from God. The prophet Isaiah said it, it dirties our hearts and it drains our joy and it sucks the spirit out of us. We'll hear David say in Psalm 51 that, that it, it takes the spirit out of us. Paul tells us in Romans that the price of sin is death. Jesus would tell us that we cannot fully comprehend sin without gazing at the cross where the Son of God died to pay our price. Well, listen, while we cannot understand sin without pondering the glory of God, we will not deal with our sin. I'm convinced of this. We will not deal with our sin without pondering the heart of God. See, repentance's goal is relationship, redemption, renewal, awakening. And so I have to tell you, David was pursued by God, but he was not pursued by God because he was special. It wasn't because God had this grand plan for David that would be so good for the world. David was pursued by God because that's what the heart of God does. And I just want to tell you, like David was, you are. You are pursued by God. I mean, this is a story we hear over and over again in the Psalms. It's the major theme of Scripture. God, in his glorious love, pursues us and... And we, with our deep suspicion of God, run and rebel and go our own way. And, and in spite of our sin, God in his glorious love pursues us and, and we run. And that's our story. So let me start with this question. Ask yourself, do I really believe that God is pursuing me? You know, the Bible is full of pursuit stories. Moses at the burning bush, Rahab's scarlet thread, Paul on the Damascus road, from the garden to the cross. And it's just, it's one pursuit story after another. His goodness pursues us all the days of our life, David said in Psalm 23. At the same time, how often do we find ourselves pursuing sin? <laughs> For three decades, I've had a, a running joke of sorts going with a good friend, Brian Johnson. I, I played football with him. And whenever we would talk or email, we'd close the conversation with this, this exchange. So, what you preaching on this week, he'd ask. Sin, I respond. What you saying about it, he'd ask. It's bad. I respond, (laughs) sin is bad. And I know that's the parting line, but do our lives show that we really believe that sin is bad? I don't mean break your diet bad, dent in the car bad. I mean tragic car accident with no survivors bad. What is sin? Well, the Bible uses a few different words to describe sin, to name sin. One is the Hebrew word avar. It means to cross the line. The word avar is used over 600 times in the Bible. If you go hunting on land that doesn't belong to you, you cross over a line. When when you do something you shouldn't do, you cross a line. When your kids get on an off-limits website, they avar, they cross the line. And God has set up lines. Our, our government, our, our legal system, our, our law has set up lines. And to be honest, if we trust him if He's and he's really God, it should be okay with us that God sets up lines. Listen, God isn't a line judge or a traffic cop. He's a life guide. He doesn't set arbitrary lines. He leads us on a journey of life, and he knows that that crossing certain lines will drain the life out of us. When God tells us to forgive, it's because he knows it's a better path than when we cross the line into bitterness. Bitterness leads to hardening of hearts. When God places lines around marriage and sexuality, it's because he knows that Crossing the line will one day lead us to the wounding of our souls and and even destruction. But some of us, we get angry about God's lines, right? We wonder about life on the other side of the line. We've got a deep suspicion that God's lines are meant to keep us away from something good. He's fencing in all the good stuff. Because ultimately, it's all about control, and we want to be in control. I want to determine for myself what's right and wrong, and that's why this posture of surrender is so vital to repentance. There is no repentance without surrender of control. The second word for sin is the Hebrew word mile. It, it means to act unfaithfully. And it, it was often used in connection with marriage. So if someone had an affair, they were mayal, unfaithful. And ultimately, this is how God views sin. He, he loves us deeply, and he wants a love relationship with us, but we run after other loves. We desire other sources of satisfaction. Sin is simply what we do when we're not satisfied with God. Worship is what we do when we're satisfied with God. So sin is actually the opposite of worship. John Piper says that no one sins out of duty. We sin because it holds out a promise of pleasure, of joy. And and when we believe that God is more to be desired than life itself, sin begins to lose its grip on our hearts. The hunger that leads to sin is really the same hunger that leads to God. I, I need more. I need more life, more love, more joy. I'm so tired of feeling like I'm missing something really important I want more. When you jumped into your career and dropped everything else, even at the risk of losing your family, it was in the hope that the career would lead you to more. See, it's not the hunger that is sin. It's simply trying to satisfy that hunger for more apart from God. And then the final primary Hebrew word for sin is the word katah, means to miss the mark. And, And that's the word used a number of times in Psalm 38, especially Psalm thirty-eight, three. The word kata, it literally means to miss the mark. Judges 20.16 talks about 700 left-handed crack marksmen who could sling a stone at a hair and not miss the mark. They did not kata. They did not miss the mark. This is probably the most common Old Testament word for sin. Now, missing the mark includes the idea of simply falling short, right? Not necessarily bad, just not good enough tried, but just didn't quite hit the standard. But Scripture makes it clear that when it's talking about katats, that's simply a failure of ability. It's because we've chosen to aim at the wrong goal. How many of us are missing the mark? I mean, let's be honest. We don't really like the concept of sin today. Sin involves moral absolutes and judgment. Sin has consequences. We prefer the word mistake, as long as we're talking about ourselves, right? Talking about other sin is okay. We're, we're willing to call it out in others. But for us, we prefer the word mistake. A mistake is an error in action. It's an error in calculation, opinion, or judgment caused by poor reasoning. I'm, I'm not bad. I just didn't have all the information. I wasn't thinking clearly. Didn't know any better. I tried, but I'm not perfect. At worst, I was careless. It's an oops. My bad. Just get over it. I'm sorry you were hurt. Get over it. I mean, when you look it up, the synonyms for sin are words like evil, and guilt, and immorality, and fault, and trespass, and wickedness. Synonyms for mistake are words like snafu, blunder, blooper, flub, or if you're French faux pas, a mistake is an oops. Oops, didn't mean to hurt you. Oops, we went a little bit too far for that first date. Oops, I didn't know any better. Oops, I got angry, but you made me. Oops, didn't mean to say that out loud. (laughs) The lie came out before I even know my mouth was open. Oops, I, I messed up on my taxes. It's an oops. Be honest. Would you rather be a sinner or an upster? But here's the deal. I'm not an upster. I'm a sinner. If I'm an upster, I just need more information. I need to try harder and maybe break a bad habit. But there's nothing fundamentally wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with my identity. I'm not broken. I'm not worthy of judgment. No guilt. But if I'm a sinner, that's kind of different. That requires forgiveness or punishment. If I'm a sinner, that's a bit deeper. I wasn't just careless or uninformed. I chose it. Somewhere inside of me, I wanted them to be heard. At some point, I decided that protecting myself was more important than telling the truth. Integrity doesn't matter, and hypocrisy is just a lifestyle choice. On some night, I decided that what I wanted was more important than what she needed. I'm I'm a sinner. That's what David is confessing in Psalm 38. He's saying, I'm not just an upster. I'm a sinner. Listen, our our problem is deeper than oops. I might be able to convince you it was just an oops. But the truth is that when the Facebook is closed and the smartphone is charging for the night and I'm lying in bed thinking back over my day, I know better. I know it was intentional. Maybe no one else knows, but I do. I, I didn't get caught, but I've done it before, and it's a good bet I'll do it again. It's not an oops. It's sin. In fact, the Apostle John said in 1 John 1.8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So let me just speak truth, just between you and me. <laughs> I wrestle with sin. At times I've sinned because my heart is rebellious. I, I want to be my own master in control, choose my own path, determine my own right and wrongs. At, at times I've sinned because I've tried to satisfy my heart, my my soul through things other than God. God's substitutes. I've looked for something more across a line. I've, I've aimed at a wrong target. I, I remember a time when I quit chasing God because I was more concerned about what others were thinking about me. And and for a number of days, I just I had no peace, I knew what it was, and I didn't care. I wanted to be angry. I was offended by what someone unfairly thought of me or at least that's what I thought. And I, I kind of luxuriated in feeling offended because if I was offended, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> And then I heard the voice of God through a video speaking to me. I was watching a a video about Ed Dobson, a pastor who lost his life to ALS. And at one point in the video, he said the words, So I told God, if you want to take my voice, that's okay. I heard those words and it just kind of broke me inside because that was one of the words God gave me a, a couple of years ago. Dan, I want you to surrender your voice. And my voice, to be honest, is what I use to shape what others think of me. And I almost fear that making those admissions too quickly and too easily will make it seem like a small matter, and when in reality, it's grievous. My, my sin is not just a failure to reach God's standards. It's a failure to treasure His heart. It's a lack of gratitude for the price Christ paid so that I could be adopted by Father God into the family of God. And you know what? That should cause us to cry out like Paul. Everything else is garbage compared to gaining Christ. To cry out like David, have mercy on me, O God. Let me put it this way. I believe that a sin-soaked heart is life's greatest problem. It keeps us from life. It leads us to addiction. It ravages marriages and breaks families. It hardens hearts and it creates anxiety-filled minds. It drains joy and it reaps discouragement, racism, anxiety. It causes us to hate or even worse, ignore our neighbors. We sacrifice our kids on the altar of success and we care about so much that matters so little. A sin-soaked heart is life's greatest problem. But even more importantly, or at least more personally, my sin-soaked heart is my greatest problem. (laughs) But my greatest hope is that I am, you are, we are, relentlessly pursued by a lavishly gracious, greatly merciful, fiercely loyal, patiently loving God. And I tell you, I think it's time for us to turn back and run like little kids to our father's arms. That's the journey of confession and repentance. It's simply saying, I will not let my sin keep me from his arms. Listen, we have hope In the grace and mercy and unfailing love of Father God, we see even more vividly in Christ, the face of God, the heart of God on a cross for us. Let me read just the last part of Psalm 38 using Eugene Peterson's message. He says, Lord, my longings are sitting in plain sight. My groans are an old story to you. My heart is about to break. I'm a burned out case. I'm on the edge of losing it. The pain in my gut keeps burning. I'm ready to tell my story of failure. I'm no longer smug in my sin. My enemies are alive and in action A lynch mob after my neck. I give out good and I get back evil from God haters who can't stand a God lover. Don't. Don't dump me, God. My God. Don't stand me up. Hurry and help me. I want some wide open space in my life. Father, I pray for each and every person listening to this, listening to me, listening to the words of the psalm, Psalm 38. I just pray with all my heart that you will lovingly by your spirit and through your word convict us of sin. Not not because you're calling us out to make an example, but because ultimately you're calling us in. You're calling us into fellowship with you and each other. You're calling us in to be a part of your family. God, would you bless us with a a brand new grace? Would Would you bring us to the point of having enough courage to confess our sins that we would receive your grace and turn from our ways and turn to you? God, we ask all these things in the precious name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.